Well, welcome back to Greatest Story Ever Retold. This is week six of this. We took a break for our Lent journey and now are back into it for about four weeks before we start a new series called The Miners. Uh, and this is a two-parter. This is the first part of two. And Mike Harmon is our guest for both of them at this point. Welcome back. Thanks Thank for you. being here. Yeah. Uh, so we are talking about a shame culture and understanding... Uh, well, honor and shame, both. Honor and shame. Yeah. And understanding David and Bathsheba's story right. in light of that. Right. Um, so in light of that, would you mind doing a brief recap? Go back and listen to the message if you missed it, because there's a lot to it that's going to also go into what we talk about next week. The ideas of why David may not even thought certain things he did were wrong until God showed up in the prophet Nathan. And said some very hard things to him, which actually pushed him towards a right and wrong type of understanding in that culture. So it's honor, shame, and guilt. Uh, innocence and guilt, right and wrong. Right and wrong. It's not that an honor, shame, there's not innocence or guilt in it. No, no, it's there. It's, it's there. It's just uh, different. But it, it's much more emotionally driven as opposed to... Right, being, uh, right. It's, it's here, here's my community. It's, yeah. a, it, it, it's why in, in certain cultures you still have the idea of... Uh, arranged marriages, and it's not offensive. No one's really offended by it because it's the it's that community helping these young couples to come together. It's, it's about su- succeeding, right? It's, it's how gospel communities like to make fun of these little things where it's like, oh, you know, Kayleen is hanging out with Isaac, you know, oh, one day, you know, and so, like they're arranging them, you know, and Evelyn, and, you know, th- there's just all these little things where people make fun of it, but that's really more what it was like. The whole idea of saving face is pretty much a shame on her culture, yes. right? Yes, yeah. that, cause, and, that's, and that's what David gets into. Yeah. It's the whole idea of it's not wrong if you let me off the hook. That was shocking when I read or heard the message. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that was not wrong if, I, if you let me off the hook. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. kind of stunning. Because, because it's about what the community thinks about it. Yeah. And, but that's also one of the things why God weaved prophets into it. Because there are some very good things with an honor and shame culture. But there are also some very negative things that come along with it. Like if the entire community says it's okay, then it's okay. Right. Wrong. <laughs> so are we correct? Are we moving more into an honor shame in some ways? Even though we have a collectivist push towards that, it's still not the same thing because our big thing in America is you can't tell me what to do. You can't define right or wrong for me. I get to do that. Right. Auto- Self autonomy. Exactly. They will use the, they will use the community. So because I mean it's not hard and fast. But they will use the community to push agendas to get certain things through. This is a new normal. So I, I understand what you guys are saying. But as I think about our, our, the biggest thing right now in our culture, one of the biggest things is the cancer culture. Yeah. And that, to me... Cancel? Cancel. Cancel. Um, that's not... An, I think it's an individualistic thing, but it's portrayed as... What's best for the community? That's well, a little bit of shame on this fit into that, I think. Yeah, but it's, it starts as, I'm offended, mm-hmm. and someone gets hurt. It's not, oh, this has offended the whole culture. It's, this has offended me, and I'm going to try and rile everybody else up to get them on I'm my gonna, side. I'm going to rally people around yeah, me. And yeah, and I'm going to get all these individuals on my side. I think if you're in a collectivist culture and someone got mad, you could even write off part of that, like, oh, well, that's, that's just them. But in an individualist culture, the more people that hop on that bandwagon, the more scary it gets. And they, they try to get a community around them, but those people who do that, as soon as you do something that offends them, you're no longer part of that community. Right. And so that it's, it is completely different. It's, you have stepped over my line, therefore you're canceled too. 
in in an honor and shame society, there isn't really the idea of canceling one another. It's bringing each other back to understand what is good for the community. But in the council, wouldn't it be the majority rules? If I get enough people on my side, that kind of becomes the new normative. Well, it does until you cross the new majority. Like right. even if somebody yeah, in the, the majority, majority is moving. Well, yeah, and yeah. someone in the majority cancel crosses the new majority. Right. It's, th- this is why our culture right now is very hard, I think, for kids to grow up in. Because there is, if parents are not like, this is what we believe, this is what we follow, and they're like, oh, do whatever you want. Well, when that happens, kids have no basis of how to live their lives. They, they have no solid footing. And that leads to them, I think, being all the depression you see today, all the things where they don't know, oh, I don't know what I want to do with my life. Because they've never had anything sure in their life. Parents today try to give their kids everything and do everything for their kids. And kids... When things get really easy, when there is no difficulties, when there's no hardship, and going back to just you know Joe a couple weeks ago, it's when there's none of that, people don't know what to do, and we start to lose our way. And we don't, Be- know, don't learn how to work as a kid anymore, yeah. and therefore when I got older, it's like, well, I don't know, I'm just going to play games. That's what I got to do as a kid, mm-hmm. you know, versus I had a paper out, I babysat, I did yards, and going to work was normative and expected of me. Parents today think that if their kids have tears or something is hard, then either they fail or they're not doing something right. Kids need to break their legs and scuff their knees and cry and wail and hear you say no and you and they say, I hate you. If you the kids, you say, I hate you. You're doing a good job. Unless you're doing something where they really should hate you for it. But if it's just like something where you're disciplining them, that's a good thing. Kids need to learn they are not in charge. And that's why it's hard for a lot of people in our generation today to trust and worship God. Because God doesn't give people what they want. And if God gave me what I wanted, the world would look like this. Well, the world would look like you want the world to look, not like how God intends the world to look. How do we define an honor and shame culture versus an innocent guilt culture? Well, So I look at honor and shame as being very much about eyes on me, right? If I dishonored my family or my friendships... Um, so have I done something that has brought attention to myself? And our shame is kind of like you want to you kind of blend in and not bring dishonor, but you bring honor by being part of the cohesive whole. Right, and it's not, and it's not one or another. They, they weave together yeah. in a lot of different things. Just some have the individualism as the basis of their culture, and some have the community as the basis of their culture. But they do interweave, like I was talking about you, yeah, police blotters. And we used to do the police blotters. Right. And so-and-so was trying to break into Hank's hardware. And it's like, oh, so-and-so and so-and-so never wants to show his face in town again. It's like, you don't want to be on the police blotter, so you don't do that. Right. And so th- there is a little bit of honor and, and, and shame in that to make sure. But it, but in, in our culture, it's, it comes back to this right and wrong idea as well. It's like, I did this wrong. I can move somewhere else and start over. In a, in a collectivist culture, you would never think I can move somewhere and start over because that's your community. You wouldn't leave your community. Right. Yeah, if you were the guy breaking into the hardware store, your parents are embarrassed. Mm-hmm. Your siblings are. It's like, what did you do to the family? You know? yeah. And today it's tough love. That's my kid. Spoke in jail. We don't care. Next. <laughs> You mentioned that the uh, shame-honor culture tends to work towards reconciliation. I've always viewed it as one of ostrac- getting ostracized. Again, there's positive and negatives. But at the outset of something like that, it's, 
can we restore? Is there a way to bring this back together? There's also the let's just overlook all the sin and not deal with it because we don't want to cause waves in our community. So there's the hiding facet, which yes. I've always seen the honor shame is I just hide my behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, there, but there is also the push towards we are still family, we've pushed towards reconciliation. Unless you go too far where all the community is then offended. You're dead to me. And then, and then it's we will send you out of the community. What are some other goods that can come out of uh, that, that cultural norm? Uh, I, I think honor and shame. Uh, kids grow up with a very clear sense of family and that they can go almost to anybody in their community and they're going to be loved and brought in. It's And in that kind of culture, if if your kid's not home, you're probably thinking your kid's with somebody else and they're okay. because they're they're safe. And they're safe because those communities tend to be smaller. It's not like America is a collectivist community where my kid's in New York. No, it's it's these little tight little communities Mm -hmm. of what kind of we're trying to do with gospel communities a lot. You have these tight little communities. And they'll get the same answers that you would get at home in your community. Because everybody thinks the same thing. And so there's a cohesive whole that's very freeing in one sense to live in because you know what answer you're going to get no matter where you go. What's good for the whole will be good for the individual. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. How, so what positives come out of the more individualistic culture like we have? I think in an individualistic culture you get greater creativity. You get uh, people who are individually inspired for something. Not that creativity does not come out of collectivist cultures, but you see it a lot more in uh, people who live as individuals. Right. Uh, if, I'm, if I was raised as in a home of a blacksmith, I'm expected to be a blacksmith. Exactly. But that may not be my, my gig. And, and you might great, make great art as a blacksmith, but you don't think of anything else about uh, being a blacksmith. Right. And I'm not going to make horseshoes. I'd rather do the art thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But you're going to do it. But you're constrained. Exactly. Yeah. And so in, in individual society, you have lots of opportunities to do anything different. It, it goes like I talked about school uniforms. You know, And we don't like school uniforms. Conformity. Because it is. It's conforming. I want my kid to be themselves. I want, my kid wants to wear a tiara and a tutu and a shirt that says, go Raiders. <laughs> We're cool with it. Whatever you want to do, you be you. But in collectivist cultures, they don't. And so there, there's not that push towards individualism and creativity. How about positives for individualism? Uh, gosh, I don't. I have, find that hard. I mean, at one point, as a kid, it was very much right and wrong was very defined and clear. You know, as I was, grew up in the fifties, late fifties, early sixties, as a kid, and so it was very clear what right and wrong was. And like, almost like the honor shame, the whole community felt the same way. That's so changed over my lifetime. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to look at the individual, individualistic, the the right wrong as it seems so. Uh, inconsistent seems so changing and morphing and, and therefore it's like ah, well like in our culture individualistic half time we don't even know our neighbors anymore we don't talk to them we don't hang out with them garage goes up garage goes down exactly but if you go back you know years ago or into you know the collectivist cultures they all know their neighbors because they're all part of the community so the positives at one point were that there was a very cohesive sense of right and wrong right and it just doesn't seem like it stayed, though. You know, and, and now it's because of the pursuit of self-autonomy and, and my truth is my truth and whatever yours is is your truth, fine. But, you know, so therefore right and wrong just doesn't seem to hold true anymore. There's no absolutes in that. And 
Well, let me ask you this. So we have a church plant in Thailand that we support. It's not, it's not, really, it's not us doing it. It's right. locals there um, uh, doing that that we just kind of financially and prayerfully support. How Thailand is a honor-shame yes, culture, right? Much so. so how do we begin to understand, as a church planting church who supports them, understand their culture in a way that we can support them more and not bring our um, uh, individualistic culture with us? I, I think, first off, what we have to think about when we approach them is you have to ask what they need. Too many times people there, when Americans start helping them, it's like, we want them to do church the way that we do church. And this is why we always say it's not going to look like we do church. I mean, hopefully it doesn't because it is, it's done in a completely different community. So we have to ask, what do you need from us to help you? And we also have to give them the freedom to let us know, even if it's something we don't understand. We have to say, okay, we're going to do because you know the culture and you know what's better there. And I think when we, hopefully, when COVID goes enough that we can actually take people to go and visit what's going on and be part of it and pray with them and see the community, we don't step in like Americans. Mm -hmm. And we started talking to this guy who was in Indonesia, and he said there were these young kids came over to do a mission trip and half the girls are running around wearing skimpy things because oh it's hot and it's the beach da, da, da. and and they weren't even looking to change to how do i mirror this culture enough that they will care about what i'm saying it's just like this is me i'm gonna wear this and they just and they, we have to think how can i best reach these people so but they're I mean, less individualistic and more fit into their culture yeah yeah and that's hard for us mm -hmm. because we're individualists. What's, what's America? Don't tread on me. Yeah. I want to do what I want to do. <laughs> it right. makes me feel good. We don't plant churches to be comfortable. We plant churches because we want to do the hard work of spreading the gospel. I mean, I think we, we, when you go to something like that, you've got to be listening. You've got to be present. Uh, instead of talking too much, you listen more, probably speak less to understand them, understand their culture and what they're facing in terms of spreading the gospel or speaking the gospel to people right. so that you are not st and I step on toes everywhere because I you know, I try and watch but I'm just not the greatest at it sometimes but I try I think probably repentance may look different to us as to them yeah. and so we got to be careful to put our expectations for what repentance will look like like yeah. David against you only I have sinned right. not Bathsheba right. not her husband not Uriah well, what <laughs> it could have been not okay if they would have said okay it's like <laughs> what <laughs> But I, I still think that God would have sent Nathan no matter what in the midst of that to do oh, something. Yeah. Care about David. Yeah. We are going to actually continue this conversation, and this will be part of next week's Talking Element. So join us back next week uh, as we continue. And the plane. Is that okay? There we go. Sorry. Yeah. I was, I was, yeah. I'm getting more tired and more tired as this goes on. Your eyes got more and more watery throughout yeah. that.